inescapable love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Well, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about Plum Velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about <laughs> Harry Potter. Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a podcast for two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am your co-host and America's favorite Griffin Dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount, Griffin Dyke extraordinaire. And today... We are introducing you to our very first mini-sode, which is what happens when we talk for over two hours about two chapters of Harry Potter, and so we split it into two episodes, which I think is what our format will be moving forward, starting with our fourth episode. As you'll you'll see when episode three comes out, it's about only one chapter, but uh, after that, we're going to record two chapters at a time and split it up for you so that you don't have to try to listen to our voices for two hours of your life. Seems excessive. I mean, or maybe you want to. It's really up to you if you want to just wait and like binge them or whatever, but you know, you do you. But yeah, so many episodes from here on out, they're going to be a couple of sections of the the chapters that you get the the main content for one week and then you'll get a mini episode with a couple other sections the following week all right so here we go newspaper sound effects all right so health and science okay so when harry asks why the witches need to be in hiding hagrid says Blimey, Harry, everyone would be wanting magic solutions to their problems. Nah, we're best left alone. To which I wrote, in all caps, in my book, Like fucking global warming? War? Famine? I'll trade you a fucking iPhone for a solution to reliance on fossil fuels, you fuckers. That's what I... Where I would like to start this rant. Because they need an iPhone, also. Owls are not efficient. They all need to get with some muggle technology that's way more practical than what they're doing. So I will trade them some muggle technology for a solution to global warming. Right. Let's get some Dewey Decimal in the Hogwarts library if we can figure out how to get all the plastic out of the ocean. Like, just vanish that shit. (laughs) Right? Vanish it! You can solve fucking everything! What does the night bus run on? Not gas. So, like, (laughs) fix it! Fix it! And it's like, here's the worst part. A, why the fuck is helping muggles a terrible thing? And B, witches are still fucking muggles and they don't want to help out. It's like, y'all live on this planet too. Y'all are eating food, harvested by muggles, and enjoying the fucking infrastructure of roads and primary school and shit. And you can't, like, fucking help, you know, <sighs> stop people from razzing down the fucking rainforest? Like, bro. It's... And like and also all of the negative repercussions of those things are going to impact the witching society also. Right. It's not like they are going to have like 
an immune little fucking bubble when the earth is, you know, eliminated of life. And they'll just be like, well, it's not us, so it's fine. Like, they won't be fine. You won't be fine. When there's no air left to breathe and no water to drink, you won't be fine. Fix it. It's despicable. And I, again, think that that is Hagrid having, like, a very, very narrow focus. And I don't think that that's the real reason. I think that, like, witch hunts are the real reason. I think it's for their safety. However, even if they're staying in hiding, they should fix these problems. I honestly think at this point, from what we know of the Ministry of Magic that they're using this excuse that like muggles are gonna like kill them in their beds as sort of a sort of like, you know, faceless terrorism to like not move forward with like helping out witches in their own community. You think it's like a form of social control? Yeah. Like yeah. why the fuck isn't there like you know, witch CPS? Like why aren't they making improvements to, like, call, like, werewolves, like, second-class citizens. Like, why are they so behind socially in a, lot of, in a lot of ways behind muggles? And I just think it's just, like, they're just so focused on this, like, threat that there is, like, it's kind of like, oh, we don't need to, like, do these, like, things to, like, move forward in our society. Like, we really need to stay hidden from the muggles who some of us are still, like, being in relationships and, like, having children with. Right. And you know that those... Those folks who are married to muggles know how fucking convenient an iPhone is. Like, they should be out there, like, advocating right. for an inclusive society that where, like, everyone can have both cars that run on magic instead of fossil fuels and phones so that you don't have to use owls <laughs> to send messages. Everyone can then, like, everyone can get around in fucking cars so you don't have to, like send your children willy-nilly like how do you use flu powder with an infant or like a three-year-old that sounds terrible it's like you're gonna crush your child doing that right either like once they're too big to be in there with you and they have to go on their own probably three-year-olds end up who the fuck knows where fireplaces all the time because they don't understand how to like focus right on the place that they're trying to go like transportation for your whole family muggles have the solution to that you assholes and you have the solution to making that transportation something that isn't destroying the world look at how lovely a society where we all live together and work together could be yeah i guess i guess i'm just so frustrated by that it's like everyone could win literally everyone could benefit from this and then like all of the witches could get therapy that need it because there's clearly not <laughs> therapy in the in the witching world and i'm like you know everyone needs some therapy do you have any 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 mind healers clearly you don't none what the nope fuck? i want to talk about some of the some of the kind of like subtle meanings we get in uh in ollivander's shop where he kind of like he lists off for Harry in the in this chapter about in order Lily James Voldemort Hagrid's and of course Harry's wand mm -hmm. and the kind of wood that is used within them and I did some research and of course there is some extra layered meanings to these so for uh Lily's wand which is willow willow uh symbolizes uh death and mourning and also trees 
in the UK actually historically were uh, planted over graves to protect the spirit of the dead. Yeah. And uh, I also want to say that willow, because it is supple, like Lily's wand, is used for basket making and also used to be used to make hot air balloon baskets that is also, a, you know, signifies protection. Oh. And in IRL witchcraft, uh, willow bark is, has uh, pain-killing properties. So pain relief, protection, spirit of the... Yeah, anyway. Yeah, that's what aspirin is made derived from, right? Yeah, it, it is. And you can also just buy willow bark if you don't want to take... I mean, it's similar chemical properties, and you can also just buy willow bark. Um, right. Like supplements for pain. Um, James wand is mahogany which is strength mahogany is a very strong wood very hardy sturdy wood used in furniture making mm-hmm. um voldemort has a yew wand which yew signifies um everlasting life and rebirth so very foreshadowy for voldemort um hagrid had an oak wand which he now has in two pieces which uh Oak signifies strength, power, and is described as a friendly and benevolent tree. Yeah. Which seems very much like literally describing Hagrid. Yeah. And then for Harry's uh, wand, Holly, a lot of Christian slash pagan symbolism, but in the language of flowers, um, Holly means defense, and the wood itself symbolizes immortality life vitality and was also holly branches or holly bows were used by romans to guard their homes from evil is that why we they are connected to like yule or is that more the like regeneration like vitality piece of them i think that is part of why it's related to yule um that's super rad thank you so much for looking all of that up I love that. I love that things like that make me really, really appreciate J.K. Rowling. Yeah, that is some definitely I did my homework to make these things have meaning. Mm-hmm. And they should have meaning considering it's like their wands, you know? Yeah. I did a bunch of research on people's astrological symbols <laughs> that we'll talk about at some point. Yeah, no, I figured I figured we were going to do that and maybe... I was thinking we should do a uh, which characters are card like tarot cards. Oh yeah, this is some some Patreon content. It sure is. Ooh, I so another thing I did research on. Harry needs a pewter cauldron. That's what's on his list. Mm-hmm. Let's talk for a moment. Wood ignites at 600 degrees Fahrenheit and a wood fire like a bonfire can reach temperatures over 2000 degrees pewter has a melting point between 4 and 500 degrees which is lower than the ignition temperature to light wood on fire a pewter cauldron is a blob of metal the first time you use it you know i i was thinking that when i was reading it i'm like it really should be a cast iron cauldron clearly 
but it's not it's pewter they don't even and sell like, cast iron cauldrons at the cauldron shop but pewter like you can melt if you have pewter jewelry you can put it in a frying pan on your stove and melt it in your own home I'm assuming that pewter just sounded way cooler and witchier than cast iron, even though clearly, well, I mean, I guess cast iron, as long as you weren't worried about, you know, lingering liquids in your cast iron cauldron. But what about, I mean, copper, copper sounds witchy, silver, all of these are fine. And, and the cauldron store sells all of them. Yeah. I don't know. That's just too silly. Don't have a cauldron made of a metal that melts a hundred degrees below the <laughs> lowest temperature of fire. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's not how that works. No. Welcome to the community profiles section in which we are going to do a little bit of a deep dive into one particular character who is a pillar of our community and it's Hagrid Rubius Hagrid here are here's my list of things to talk about for Hagrid are you ready yes it's kind of a poem soft boy knits pink umbrella drunk unexamined beliefs great sense of humor fat shaming and muggle shaming so strange especially because he's so othered kind of makes me think about redirected racism and turfs that's what I got those are those are all those are all great actually. Is there one you would like to dig into first? Should we go in reverse order so that we get the like yucky stuff over with and then get into the nice stuff? Yeah, let's let's uh let's get the uh yeah, let's start in reverse order. So he fat shames the fuck out of Dudley and muggle shames the fuck out of Vernon. You know, I actually I have it in my notes that this is maybe and this sort of overall in the book a sort of terrible like quote unquote ugly is bad kind of thing because the way that she describes like say Vernon versus Hagrid is very different even though like they're both physically large mm-hmm. and and you're right it's not a it's not a good look for Hagrid to you know be so vitrally anti Muggle and like fat shamey. But I feel like it's definitely, like, it happens from multiple perspectives across the books. Where it's, like, there's something, quote-unquote, like, you know, wrong or, like, hideous about people who are bad in these series. Yeah, for sure. And I hope that we we get to do each of those as they come up. I think maybe... I, I think we should talk about the fat shaming sort of as a separate thing in the under politics i think i'm more interested right here in talking about how how weird it is to me that hagrid in particular is making these choices to be like oh like your son deserves to be so hungry because all he had for dinner is a bag of chips and a banana because he's fat so he doesn't deserve to have dinner right like i'm not even offering him sausages because he's fat and like oh my transfiguration didn't work because he already looks like a pig and he just keeps calling vernon a great muggle 
as if muggle is an insult. And then he's there, one, being a giant, which I think is, like, more prejudiced against in the wizarding world than being a muggle significantly yeah Yeah. and i don't know do you think that he's doing it in the same way as like i don't know i feel like there's like a there's a big problem in like say turfs like turfy lesbians being like i feel like a lot of it is taking like the oppression that's being given to them and then just like redirecting it elsewhere as a protective mechanism it's like redirection but it's also kind of a way of like this is how i can fit in with other witches if i'm like also just looking disparagingly down at like muggles like it's but those aren't the witches he wants to fit in with you know but i mean he doesn't obviously want to fit in with like people who want to murder muggles but i think a sort of like anti-muggle sentiment is still it's still there, even if it's not, I want to murder muggles, but, like, they're kind of, like, you know, dumb and silly, and they deserve it when witches fuck with them kind of deal. Like, I feel like there's a lot of kind of, like, casual, like, offhand shit that I feel like, especially, like, uh, Arthur dealing with and, like, misuse of magical artifacts. So it's not like it's, it's, like nasty but it doesn't cross the line into like super violent but it still kind of comes from the same place of being like well muggles are other and less than right well it's like elementary schoolers like picking on the weird kid and it's not because they necessarily it's almost like they like don't even know why they're performing the behaviors that they're performing they're just like i know that you're weird and like it's funny the way that you react to this thing that i'm doing to you Mm-hmm. I, but he I, it just feels so gross to me to hear Hagrid say like you were raised by some of the biggest muggles I've ever seen like what does that even mean alright so I have a point about trying to dive deep into why Hagrid is very fat phobic and muggle phobic in this chapter mm-hmm. and the other thing that might be it is that I feel like sometimes you have animal people who are so into animals that they're just kind of like fuck other human beings and like while like Hagrid isn't like that like he obviously has people he is like he loves and is very close to and is very loyal to I feel like I could definitely see in general him being like eh Uh, but not caring is not the same thing as being actively prejudiced that's true but kind of like you know lumping Oh, people and their cruelty to animals and their, you know, bloody... I don't know. I guess it was very shit of, Her- of Hagrid to say those things. Yeah, we should come up with an acronym like TERF for what <laughs> Hagrid is. <laughs> Muggle exclusionary. Who knows? Okay, I can't get it. Maybe it'll pop into one of our heads. We'll work on it. Yeah. All right, continuing with Hagrid's community profile. He... Tell he calls Vernon a great prune, and at another point, he tells both Vernon and Petunia to go boil their heads. And I just think these are both like the best insults. <laughs> so that's one of my under great sense of humor. That's what I have down is those two <laughs> sick burns that he gives to the Dursleys. Um, he's a drunk. 
And that's something kind of like like the abuse of the Dursleys that the book just sort of really glosses over the fact that Hagrid is a drunk. Like, he can't make it through his evening picking up Harry without drinking. He doesn't make it... He doesn't make it to noon before he is drinking. Apparently, his his drunkenness is enough that it's like that. I mean, that's a thing that Malfoy knows about him. He says every once in a while he gets drunk and sets fire to his bed, I think is like one of the legends that's about Hagrid. And that's, I don't know. I mean, she, it's just kind of there, you know, she just kind of like leaves it there. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of blanking out because I don't really remember how much of his drinking you see in later books but i mean there's definitely times when it's like you see him get wasted like i mean in the sixth book when it's like him and slughorn after argorg dies and maybe in the third book with stuff with buckbeak but i'm really trying to remember yeah we see well i mean we see that when he enters the leaky cauldron the first thing that he says to Tom, like, Tom is, like, the usual, I think. And he's like, oh, I'm not here to drink today. Mm. Which was a lie, because he because he goes back. Right, exactly. Like, the moment that something, like, upsets him, right? He, like, gets carsick at Gringotts, which, like, who has ever, like, gotten off a roller coaster and been like, wow, that made me feel ill. I need a drink. <laughs> That's... That is not logic, but... He definitely also is like really well known at the at both pubs in Hogsmeade. I think he he goes down there like pretty pretty frequently. It's it's definitely something that I think comes comes up often enough that I think it's really fair to say that Hagrid has a drinking problem. Yeah, I would agree with that. Also, they must like pay him really well if he can afford to have a drinking problem with the amount of liver he has given his size. Well, I mean, let's assume he's not paying, like, rent and, like, he's either... I mean, he's growing his own food and eating at Hogwarts. Like, he probably doesn't have a lot of expenses. Which, I mean, it's still... I mean, I think you're right. It is weird that it's just, like, not really ever addressed. And even kind of, like, Harry's kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, Hager drinks a lot. I'm like... Yeah, and maybe I don't know maybe it's different in the UK I don't know maybe is it just different because he's lovable (laughs) like he doesn't create problems when he's drunk but that's not I don't know yeah I don't know what else to to say aside from like I I wish that if she was gonna have him be a drunk it would be something that we spent some time with well considering how we see how bad witches are and uh, with a lot of personal issues people have it wouldn't surprise me that addiction is kind of like a thing they're like ah. that's true um and then the big th- i think the big thing like hagrid is such an uh, a wonderful portrayal of tender masculinity right and i just think that is worth looking at you know he like yeah. deals with monsters and he's himself very monstrous and he's like hiding this, you know, secret 
that he is like, you know, this, he's half, you know, terrifying, tree uprooting, you know, giant and whatever. But he, he is so, so, so soft. Like he cries really, really easily. We've, we've met him twice and we've seen him cry twice. He's just like, he's very, very emotionally open. He knits. He has his wand and a pink umbrella, you know, and, and he deals with monsters, but he deals with monsters because he like, he loves them. And he just, he's like Elmira from Tiny Toons. He just <laughs> wants to squeeze them. Uh, but he's a lot more gentle than she is. But, you know, yeah. like she, just like her, like he doesn't have that barrier between like a cat and a skunk, right? He doesn't yeah. have a, a thing between like that's a dog and like that's a dragon. He's like, they are all for squeezing. I want them. I want to tend to them. I want to help them. And I don't know, I just love him. And I mean, it's like so refreshing also just because like, you see him interact with creatures that are, I think are literally called monsters like in this series and he's like, oh, they're just like misunderstood. Yeah. Like, like Thestrals are like nightmare goth horses and he's just like, oh, but they're like, they're super useful. Don't you want to hug one? And I'm like, I'm not going to lie. I would totally hug most of the things that Hagrid wants to hug. So I totally understand his like... This is a wild animal, but I still just want to squeeze it. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Like meat eating horses of doom. Absolutely. Let me like have the only tame herd of them <laughs> because I am like, for, he's Snow White. Yeah, oh like, he just is so, he probably ha could very easily like train a flock of like demon hawks to dress him in the morning if he wanted to <laughs> and they would just be so appreciative of him and his love you know oh my <laughs> just... god he totally would and i think the thing that's really special is that he's so soft and he's so feminine in so much of him and nothing about him is emasculated in the books as a part of it which is a funny corollary to all of the other feminized men in these books. Well, I guess there's like him and there's Dumbledore who are like performing femininity very differently without being emasculated. But like all of the bad, bad guys that are guys in this series are very effeminate in like a you're bad because you're effeminate way. They're like all basically Disney villains who are always like, oh, you can tell that he's a bad guy because he's, like, a super fag. <laughs> you always know. You always know the bad guy because you're like, wow, you're super gay. Yeah. I feel like this is why I really like Disney villains because I'm just like, yes, uh -huh. you're clearly the person that I want to be. Uh -huh. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. I feel like... I don't know, like Lockhart obviously comes to mind as someone who definitely has a sort of like feminine vanity about him. But like, I don't know. I don't, I guess I don't know if I'd necessarily get, I mean, I think Lucius has his moment of like gay Disney villain for real, but I don't know if like I'd necessarily get that from like Voldemort though. Yeah, no, he definitely does. He is like, he has very like feminine hands that are described. His voice is very high. He's, like, very, very pretty before he becomes Voldemort. There's definitely, I, I guess not in this book because he's just, like, a 
creepy face in the back of someone else's head. But once we get once he has a physical form, I think we can we can revisit this. But I'm I'm there's a lot about him that's like presented as like doing gender wrong. Mm. Doing gender and sexuality wrong, I think, with him. Like, he's very, like, asexual. And that's also something that's, like, very easy to villainize if you're heavily subscribing to, like, cis heteronormative society. Yeah, I think I would definitely like to revisit that with our upcoming villains in the series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely think there are a lot of characters that you're you're not supposed to like that are definitely portrayed as, like doing gender wrong but Hagrid but Hagrid is you know not one of those characters Hagrid is not one of those Hagrid is a complex and deeply developed character who has both terrible and wonderful qualities and overall I am here for him but I wish that someone would confront him about some of his unexamined beliefs yeah all right corrections is our second to last segment. My first one is Lily did magic on summer vacation. She turned teacups into rats on summer vacation. Yeah, she should have gotten a note from... Uh... I mean, she should have been expelled and had her wand snapped in half. That's what you get for doing that. I mean, unless... You think it's a recent rule? I think that the rule is bullshit because if you grow up in a wizard household... Are they? How the fuck are they going to know if you're doing magic or not in the summertime? So it clearly puts like wizarding kids in an advantage. So having said that, maybe she was doing these spells at Snape's with Snape, house with baby Snape. Yeah, I mean she probably was not going to Snape's house because this seems like he's probably not trying to go over to his house. But within the per- the like anti Muggle doing magic or doing magic around Muggles alarm parameters of Snape's house, like in a corner of the backyard. I mean, that's also a good question about how does that work when, like, you're li- when you're living when like you're a witch and you're living with a muggle. I'm just like, how how the fuck does any of those any of these rules work? So, but yeah, correction corner is that Lily should not have been doing magic at school unless Petunia is just exaggerating. But who knows? Hmm. Yeah, maybe maybe this is before she had fleshed out her no magic at school idea. Yeah, or no magic in the summertime yeah. thing. But yeah, that was a good catch. I also noticed that. I'm just like, wait, can't do that. Yeah. All right. What you got? Uh, I actually don't have any corrections. Oh, great. I got a bunch. (laughs) (laughs) So many. Then you can, you can go, you can go through your corrections. Okay. Hagrid got kicked out of Hogwarts during his third year, but somehow he knows how to perform a spell that does human transfiguration, which we explicitly learn. They don't learn until their seventh year. How does he know the spell to turn Dudley into a pig? I mean, he doesn't say a spell. I always assumed that he was just, like, having a feeling, and it was more of a, like, uncontrolled magic thing, where he, like, uncontrolled magic a pig's tail. He says he meant to turn him into a pig. But I actually buy that, as, like, Hagrid doesn't actually know how to do magic. He's, like... Kind of like what you were talking about with Julia from The Magicians. Like, I feel like Hagrid maybe has, like, learned how to, like, use his wand to channel the kinds of magic that, like, children perform without meaning to. So he doesn't actually know real spells. Yeah. I like that, actually, a lot. I mean, I think it explains a lot of the magic 
the magic that we see Hagrid yeah. do. Um, and then in relation to that, I was just thinking about how completely Ron's wand doesn't work when it gets broken in the next book, but Hagrid's wand works. And I was wondering what you think about the idea that Dumbledore rigged up the umbrella situation for Hagrid. Because we know that the Elder Wand can fix another wand. It's the only thing that can fix another wand. That is true. That, I would not put it past Dumbledore to have done that. I'm buying it. I'm buying it as a new headcanon that that is totally the reason why it even works. Yeah. He fixed his wand, but then didn't bother to, like, complete his magical education. (laughs) Which is... Just like Dumbledore, isn't it? I mean, it really <laughs> so is. So in keeping with how he does things. It really is. Um, Quirrell has had the job, the dark arts pr- teacher job, for previous to the year that Harry is entering. Dumbledore tells Harry that he hasn't been able to keep a teacher for more than a year since he turned Voldemort down. Yeah, that was... That's a pretty large, I think breach of yeah it really is (laughs) maybe he was the ta and now he's the real teacher (laughs) (laughs) welcome to the advice section where we offer unsolicited advice to one character from the chapters we read this week my advice is to ollivander that he should get he should hire an assistant because he's real weird and he's like scaring 11 year olds <laughs> by telling him telling them that he sold the wand that killed his parents <laughs> you, you have you're not a good salesperson get an assistant to help you with the customer yeah. service okay thanks yeah i guess that's the privilege of being the only <laughs> wand maker in the uk is you can be a creepy little fucker and everyone will be like, well... Right, where are you going to go? Gregorovich Gr- in, like, fucking Romania... Or wherever the fuck he is, Romania? Yeah. Good luck yeah. with that. Okay, we did it. We did it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Gaily Prophet. I hope you enjoyed our very first Minnesota. If you want more of us in between episodes, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Gaily Prophet. If you want to support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash The Gaily Prophet, where you will get some great content like my partner recreating the realistic logistics of Hagrid in spaces designed for muggles. And you should like and review us on iTunes because it helps people find our podcast. And also you should tell everyone you know about this podcast because everyone you know wants to know about this podcast. I mean, if you need me to personally message your friends and family to listen to this (laughs) podcast, I will do it. And I will tell them how amazing our in-depth critical analyses of Harry Potter will improve their lives. Yeah, so just email us at thegailyprofit at gmail.com with a list of email addresses or phone numbers for Jesse <laughs> to reach out to, and uh, she'll get that taken care of for you. So 
we're really helpful here at the Gaily Prophet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you want to just know more about us, but in reality, our pets, you can, <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jesse underscore Detroit and on Instagram at live from Detroit. And you can find out more about me on Instagram at Lark Malachi. Um, our show art is by Theo Julian Forrester. The music in our theme song is called Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod. We still don't have an outro. Hello and welcome. I just banged on my table. Okay. <laughs> you had a lot you had to emphasize how much you were saying hello and how welcome everyone is. <laughs>